Welcome back to Why Christ. We have a really special episode today. Our first episode of Why Christ, we outlined many of the things that somebody has to go through in order to determine truth, and especially in the religious realm. And uh, I wanted to show you guys exactly how that looks on a personal level through my testimony in finding God. Thank you for joining us today. So we have, the, uh, unlike our normal episodes, we usually have guest speakers on with us and we usually chit chat about different topics about Christianity. But today I wanted to do a, a, something a little bit different. Um, like I mentioned before, on our first episode of Why Christ, we actually outlined many of the different things that one person has to go through in order to find their, a religion or truth in, in general. And one of the things I, I think it's really important to understand is how that actually looks on a personal level. So I want to try to do today is kind of share my personal testimony with you guys and actually try to elaborate on the things I actually went through personally to find God. And hopefully that can help you understand the Christian faith better and also how Christians kind of come to the point where they are today. So my story is it, like like many people's story, doesn't start off like in this this perfect Christian family, like everyone kind of pictures especially like the movies and, and whatnot that everyone that's a christian is only christian because like the, it was passed on by their 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 moms and their dads and just kind of a family thing but that wasn't really the case in my family my mom was christian and but my dad wasn't and our family is broken we had a bunch of divorces it was uh, a, a lot of hardships throughout the years um different stepdads and, and things like that that made made uh believing in a, in a god kind of difficult because when you go through hardships and, and you think to yourself, why would a good God allow any of this to happen to me? So when you're going through these different things in your life, it's kind of hard for you to actually uh, see the light throughout of it. So when, when I'm going through this, when I'm growing up in this, in this broken home, and we're going to these different churches, it kind of seemed hypocritical to me. I, I saw a broken family around me going to church and, and listening to these sermons that I didn't really see being practiced in the home. And so that was really hard for me. And I saw that with a lot of Christians as well. And the, the hypocrisy of the Christian church was really a turnoff to me. And I really didn't uh, want to grasp onto something like that because I was like, okay, if, if they call themselves Christians, I don't want to be anything like them. And that wasn't the only thing. I also thought a lot of the stories I was hearing growing up in these different churches were pretty silly. I thought the story of Noah's Ark was silly. I thought the 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 the, the creation story and the eating the the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil in, in Genesis was a silly story. I thought that a lot of the things in uh, in the Old Testament, especially, were atrocious to the point where I thought that there's no way a, a good God could do any of those things. And so it was really hard for me to come to a place where I was actually even willing to to look at the evidence. So I got I, I grew up in that kind of mindset, but it it got to a point where I was my ego was growing. My, I was getting I was getting cocky as I as I felt myself uh, getting smarter and thinking that I I figured out everything. I have probably figured out the answers to a lot of these questions, and I've actually have a, a lot of uh, of watching different like scientific documentaries and things, and so and so basically rationalized my way through Christianity completely and religions and and landed on atheism. And I was a pretty staunch atheist. Now, not all my family knew this at the time because I wasn't outright just going to tell my whole family that I was atheist. But in my personal life, I was debating people and, and honestly being arrogant and mocking them quite frequently. I thought that their arguments were stupid. I thought they were bad, badly put. And some of them were because I was dealing with people the same age as me who were equally as arrogant. It wasn't until I actually was put into a private Christian school where I was actually surrounded with Christian scholars who actually had good answers to these questions, who actually did more research than me, that were able to actually give good answers to the questions I posed. 
So I started losing debates, which was new for me as a as a young arrogant kid who just thought I could make all these these fancy sounding arguments and and that weren't my own that I just quoted from other famous atheists and then they would they would walk right through them. But the the Christian scholars that I was up against were much more intelligent than that. And they were actually able to dismantle the argument in a way that made sense to me. And, they were, and while doing, they were very kind, they were very humble, and they were just simply explaining to me why I was wrong and why their view was right. And through that, I felt, I started to feel like on shaky footing. I haven't, I hadn't had a place in my life where I was actually really doubting my atheism at all. And, and before then, I was kind of just in an echo chamber of, of myself and me watching just atheistic videos without ever actually considering the other side of the argument. So once that happened, I actually had to dive into the other side of the argument to try to come up with counterarguments. So I'd go home, research, think, figure out a good counterargument to whatever they argued against me, come back the next day and do the same thing again. I did this every day for years until I eventually came to a place where I kind of ran out of arguments. And so it, it forced me as, as a person who tr tries to be as intellectually honest as I can to have to actually look at the other side as if it may be true until this point in my life. I had only been trying to disprove Christianity. I had never even considered the fact of trying to prove Christianity. So I wanted to actually look at what were the arguments for it, not just against the arguments for atheism. What were the arguments for Christianity? So I started looking at those. And before you can even look at the arguments for Christianity, you first have to decide if, if, if Christianity is even possible. Because if there's no God, Christianity is, is impossible because miracles don't happen if there's not some supernatural being who created the universe. So I first had to look at God. Is God real? And from watching YouTube videos, talking to these different these different Christian scholars, asking them questions, and getting all these arguments that were really, really, uh, some of them were difficult to understand, but other others of them were really simple. Until I had so an abundance of arguments and no arguments on the other side that made me have to choose that God must be real. But I don't know who this God is. I don't know what he looks like. I don't know who he is. I don't know what he's about. I only know that there must be some supernatural creator. He might have just created the world and walked away and we've never seen him again. That's completely plausible as of then. So I had to look at, okay, did God reveal himself? But first, I, 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 that would be too broad of a question because if you're just asking, did God reveal himself, then you're, you're, you're dealing with thousands and thousands of religions all across the world. And with each, each religion, you're looking at different sects within that religion, within Christianity itself, there are dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of different groups and, and denominations within Christianity. So you can't just start with that question. So first I tried to do some process of elimination. So the first thing I had to do was, okay, I got to figure out if God is a monotheistic God, meaning one God, or if he's a polytheistic God, is it a, is it a multiple, uh, multiple of God? Now me living in, in America, I, I kind of just realized, okay, a polytheistic religion sounds silly, but I can't just write it off that just because I live in a culture that doesn't really have a, uh, a, a broad polytheistic nature. So the, the argument that I, that I was, uh, that I, I heard that actually was, was a good one. And it's the reason that a lot of Western cultures don't accept polytheistic religions is because polytheistic religions have, have a big problem with them. They, they don't account for science. What I mean by that is if you think of the most popular polytheistic religions throughout history, well, let's take the, the Greek gods or the Roman gods, for example. 
their explanation for the world around them was there must be different gods governing different forces. They said Poseidon is the governing uh, governing of the sea. Uh, we have Zeus, and he is the governor of the sky. He's control of the sky. And they have Hades. He's the governor of the underworld. And they have all these different gods for every every different like plant, season, all these different things, right? But once science became more and more under and better understood, we realized that it wasn't Poseidon and Zeus fighting. It wasn't the sky and the sea going against odds and it was two different forces. No, it was one force creating a storm or it was, it was a, uh, the sun got hotter and it dried up the, dried up the, the crops. It wasn't the sun God angry at the, the God of the crops. We, we realized that there is some uniformity to all of these different governing forces. They're not being governed by different forces. So at the very least, we know this God is at least one in mind. Otherwise, we would see these, these different forces battling it out. But in reality, they're all going together in one general force. We call these the, the laws of physics, the laws of nature, things like that. So they're all being governed by these same forces. So either the, either God is one person or he's many pre- people, but at least those many people all are in unison and in agreement on what they're actually after. And in that case, you're basically working with a monotheistic religion because they're all the same God. They're all the same mindset. They're all... Uh, working together for the same purpose. At that point, you're really dealing with a monotheistic type religion. So that only leaves a a few, because I I wasn't going to look at every single monotheistic religion for the sole reason that I thought that if God was to reveal himself to mankind, he was probably not going to do a bad job. He was probably going to reveal himself pretty clearly to a bunch of people. So that left a few options, right? First, we have Judaism, which is the most common throughout world history, other than until Christianity comes along, of a monotheistic religion. So I first looked at Judaism because I thought that was a good foundation because every other religion, every other monotheist, major monotheistic religion is based off of Judaism itself. You have Judaism, and then on top of that, we find Christianity. And then branching off of that, we have the Church of Latter-day Saints and the Church of Islam. They're all based on the same fundamentals of Judaism. Now, they all have different interpretations. I'm not equating any of those religions, but they all do start with the basic understanding of the Old Testament. So I've started there. One of the greatest things you can actually look at to determine if something is true is find it if it's if it's abnormally unique. For example, if you look at a culture and you look at the surrounding area and you see that all these different civilizations are all kind of operating the same way because they're the same culture. There, there's some that are a little more advanced than others, maybe culturally, maybe technologically, but they're all about the same area along. You can compare this to like Western culture today. All these Western cultures across the world we're all about on the same footing from Canada to the United States to Great Britain. We're all on the same footing, even though one might be a little bit above the rest. But when you look to the Middle East, when you looked at Israel, ancient Israel, ancient Israel was miles, 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 miles ahead of anything else in the time when it came to cultural reasoning, when it came to moral law, moral principles. If you actually compare Judaism law, and you might look at it and you say, that's barbaric compared to what we have today. And in some places, that's absolutely true. But you have to compare it to the culture. You can't compare United States moral law to Judaism moral law in ancient Israel and just do a side-by-side comparison like that because just like when you're teaching a child to have good manners, you can't just teach a toddler to automatically know all the dining etiquette of eating at a fancy restaurant. No, you have to start off slow. You have to first teach him to even sit in his chair. Once he's willing to sit in his chair, then you got to teach him how to uh, how to hold silverware. And you have to work through these different steps to teach this kid good manners and good discipline. The same is true with if, if for God teaching Israel how to be a civilized nation. 
but they were still light years ahead of anyone else in that area. And their, their, their code was based around rights and virtues and not just around barbaric senses of revenge and, and, uh, and, and gluttony and all these different, these, uh, these different like barbaric, uh, naturalistic impulses. Israel was based on a higher sense of virtue, which was completely unique at the time. So that's one part of it, but there's other parts too. For example, when you're talking, when you're looking at the Old Testament, when you're, and you're actually trying to match up these different documents, a lot of the things that in the Old Testament and some of the miracles as well actually have some archaeological and geographical uh, findings. I mean, for example, if you're looking at uh, the story of, of M- Moses saving the Israelites from Egypt and bringing them across the, the Red Sea, we today are finding that there's chariots and, and, and armor and weapons of an army that has been swallowed up by the Red Sea. And so we go under there and we look at all these different things and we're finding a, a historical and archaeological evidence that backs up the claims made in the Old Testament. But putting all that aside, the biggest actual evidence of, of at least the monotheistic religions as being a way that God revealed himself to mankind is in the Gospels. Because in the story of Jesus, Jesus is one of the most unique characters in human history, actually the most unique character in human history. And you can, there's a bunch of things about Jesus that are historical that we can absolutely back up. And there's some things that we're not 100% sure on. And that, and so those are the things that require some level of, of faith, but the historical evidence is, is damning in itself. If you look at the historical evidence of Jesus, first of all, he did exist. No one, no historical evidence uh, suggests that he didn't exist, that he was just a figment of imagination. He was just created. He did exist. He was 100% a real guy who went around and did good deeds. Um, and, and we have a lot of records of the things that he said and the things that he did. Now, if you just look at the claims of who he was, you basically are left with two options because Jesus claimed to be God. He claimed to be the uh, the son of man, son of God. He gave himself a bunch of different names that basically leave you two options. Either this guy is a crazy lunatic or he is who he says he is. A lot of people like to write him off as, oh yeah, he was a good prophet, but he went too far when he said he was the son of God. But if someone today came out and he was he walked around town and he did good deeds, but he was telling everyone that he was God, you would call that guy a crazy, crazy man. You wouldn't call him a good guy who's who just has some like weird thing with him being obsessed with God. No, you call him a lunatic. You'd be like, okay, that guy's crazy. He thinks he's God or what he's saying is true. Those are your only two options. So when you look at Jesus and you actually try to determine, okay, is he who he says he is? The, the best way to figure that out is did Jesus die on the cross and stay dead or did he die on the cross and rise again? Because if you stay dead, everything that Jesus said and did can be just written off as just another crazy lunatic who pretended to be the Messiah. But what we find is if you actually look at the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus, it's pretty damning. For one, we know for a fact that he did die on that cross. We know that for sure. We also know that he was put in a tomb and then later that tomb was found empty. And there's many, many people that claim to have seen Jesus after the fact he was resurrected. So that, that, uh, that needs some sort of answer for that. When we have these set of facts in front of us, you need to have a good answer for what those facts happened if you're not going to accept that he resurrected. We know he died for sure. We know he was put in that tomb for sure. We know later we found that tomb empty for sure. We know that later we found a bunch of people that claimed to have seen him and then were tortured to death and died with the, the claim that they did indeed see Jesus. Now, what's really unique about that is 
it's not that people don't lie. Of course they do. But it's really, really rare for people to die for something they know is false. You can say that a secondhand person, like a Christian today, who just hears about these stories and believes them so well, he if they die a martyr, that's that's understandable because he's believing in a lie. But what if you're the perpetrator of the lie? What if you created that lie that Jesus was resurrected? What if you're the creator of that lie? Why would you die for it? And not just one person, many, many people died claiming that they saw Jesus after he died. So how does that work? Is it just a bunch of people that are super committed to this lie that they're willing to be tortured and crucified and, and killed and martyred for this, for this lie? It seems extreme to me, especially since that's never happened like ever in human history other than this one time. And also, how did a bunch of a lot of this is based on the the testimony of of, of, of women, which in the, in the time is actually really unique, because if you're going to make a lie, the last thing you want to do in that culture in that time is to actually make that lie based on the words of, of a woman, because in that culture, they didn't actually respect the words, the words and the testimony of women. So if you're going to make this really elaborate lie that you started off on the wrong footing, but a lot of the, the, the original basis of this, of these claims is some of the first people that actually uh, saw the empty tomb were women. So that's really, that's really unique as well in the story. And a lot of these unique traits are really important. So back to the testimony, I, I, I've came to the conclusion that there is a God. There must be a God. I've came to the conclusion that he must be some sort of monotheistic God. I came to the conclusion that he revealed himself through the Old and New Testament. So that leaves me with basically three options at that point, okay? Either it's, it's Christianity, I got to figure out which type of Christianity it is. Or that leaves me with Islam. It maybe the Quran's true, and maybe the Book of Mormon's true, and then that would be the, the latter, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. So I had to decide between these three options because I, I once I discovered that uh, Jesus was who he said he was, that wrote off uh, Judaism because Judaism doesn't accept that Jesus was the Messiah. They're still currently waiting for their Messiah. So when I looked at the Book of Mormon and I looked at the Quran, they have a lot of, uh, of fallacies in them that I don't. I can't write off as truth. I don't think that either of those those texts actually can be uh, written as the word of God. I don't think they can be uh, held as as true prophecies or true uh, written by true prophets. But we will be talking about that more in depth on later on the on later episodes. But for now, uh, for my personal testimony, I I came to the conclusion that okay, there is a God, and He revealed Himself through mankind, through prophets, and they wrote it down in, in, these, in this new and this old and new testament. And so I, I knew that there must be some truth to Christianity. I didn't know all the different doctrines. I didn't know the theology of it. I just knew that Jesus was not a lunatic. He was who he said he was. He did die and resurrect. I knew that there was a God that was able to make that happen. And I knew he was wanted something to do with me. But I didn't really know what. I didn't know what I was going to do with this knowledge. I didn't know how I was going to actually pursue it. So with, with those basic facts in mind, I just started asking more and more questions. I tried to understand Christianity because a lot of Christianity was really confusing to me. It, it, was, it angered me. I, I, I thought a lot of the, the doctrines of Christianity were atrocious. I, I hated the idea of, of eternal torment in hell. I hated the, 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 uh, the idea that the, the traditional view of sin in Christian faith. I hated a lot of the Christian doctrine, especially when it came to salvation, how I was going to be saved, but maybe not my dad, and, and these different people in my life that are loved dearly that may not be saved. These were a lot of questions that I had to work through through my entire life, and I'm still working through today. That's why my testimony is not finished, and no one truly is until the day they die. But my testimony to you right now is that I believe that there is a God. I believe that he revealed himself through mankind, through prophets, and he 
came to earth and the, as the man, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sins so you can go to heaven. I don't have all the answers to all the theological questions that arise from those, those statements, but I'm still pursuing them. And that's what every good Christian should do. That's what every good Christian needs to do in order to actually have a good, solid foundation for their faith. Because faith is essential. But if you can eliminate some of your faith and replace it with good, hard evidence, good, hard foundations, it's going to be a lot harder to shake your foundations and actually have somebody doubt your faith if you actually have good arguments, good evidence to back up what you believe in. The reason I'm bringing this all to you now is because I think that people need to understand that this journey isn't necessarily easy. It takes many, many years. It takes questioning, and no one should just blindly accept all of these this, this, this information I'm giving you. You should question it and, and question your own beliefs all the time and never sh- shy away from any of the, the accusations somebody's going to make against you, that someone's going to question your ideology and someone's going to question your religion, question your faith, question your your ideas, and that's okay. That's good as long as you're going to actually analyze yourself and actually dive into what you believe and try to determine if it's true or not. But that's all I have for today. I wanted to share my testimony with you, but um, on on later episodes of Why Christ, we're going to have uh, the debunk series as well, where I'm going to be discussing why I believe that the Church of Latter-day Saints is is, is not the Word of God and I, why I believe that uh, the Quran and the Church of Islam is, is not the Word of God either. Um, and until next time, My name is Levi Erickson, and this is Why Christ.